to share a word with you uh, from the book of Acts, the book of Acts. And I want us to look at uh, uh, one verse from chapter one and then uh, the first four verses of chapter number two. So Acts chapter number one, verse number eight and Acts chapter two, verses one, two, three and four. The word of God reads. Jesus is, is speaking and he says to them, he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Verse one of chapter two says this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clo cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Verse 4 says this, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to share a word with you this morning entitled power to his people, power to his people. You know, with all that is going on in, in our world right now, the calamity, the chaos and all of the 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 acts of uh, resistance in the rioting and the marching uh, and everything that is happening in response to the injustice that we witnessed uh, earlier this week. Uh, oh, last week, uh, we, 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 it hearkens in my spirit that mantra, power to the people. Uh, in the 60s, it became a mantra and a, and a slogan uh, and, a, and a word of encouragement to the uh, African-American culture as we resisted uh, the social injustice and the oppression of segregation, Jim Crow, and, and all the inequalities that were in the United States at that time. But, but not only have we as a culture, African-American culture, used that mantra, power to the people, other people around the world have used the mantra, power to the people, to resist the establishment and to um, bring about solidarity amongst the people helping to change what is happening around them that was, was, was afflicting them and oppressing them. But this morning, I don't want to talk about uh, empowering the people uh, with political power. I'm not going to talk about uh, empowering the people with uh, social economic power. I'm not going to talk about uh, empowering the people with legal and legislative power, voter power. I, I'm not going to focus my, 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 this, my time with you on earthly powers that we're trying to, to, to bring about uh, change, but I, I want to talk to you about the power uh, that God has given to his people. See, today is the day that we uh, uh, celebrate as the day of Pentecost, uh, uh, the day that the church was born, the, the birthday of the church, if you will, of the New Testament church, the day that the promise that Jesus had made to his disciples and to the church that he had to leave, that a comforter would come and, and that they would receive power and that they were receive something supernatural that will be sealed them and fill them and give them what they need for the next stage of the journey to take the to, the, the the ministry the gospel and and the purpose um, that he was there here on earth for to the next level 
Uh, Paul tell, excuse me, in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also do. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. He then says this in Luke chapter 10, verse number 19. He says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall uh, nothing by any means will hurt you. And in order for us to, to have this kind of power that Jesus is talking about here in the gospel of John and in the gospel of Luke, uh, in order for us to have this kind of power, beloved, uh, uh, we must walk in the promise that God has given us and we must access and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need this power, beloved. We need this power, and the power that I'm speaking of is the power that God has given to the church and to the believers and to the body of Christ. I'm telling you today that we don't need just power, beloved, but we need his power, the power to his people is what we need on today, that dunamis power, the power of the Holy Ghost. So the gospel writers and scholars teach us and inform us that Jesus walked on earth for 40 days following his resurrection. Acts chapter number one, verse four says this. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, verse five, he says this, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Jerusalem and restore our kingdom? In verse 7, he says, um, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood amongst them. Men of Galilee, they say, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then we are told that the disciples returned to Jerusalem to wait and wait and ultimately wait another 10 days there in this upper room. This upper room, this room that is in the higher part of this particular dwelling place. This upper room, we should remember, was the forerunner of every church, every cathedral, every tabernacle, every sanctuary, which has been reared in Christendom within the last 21 centuries. Here it was the professing Christians, when left alone by their master, first began to pray together to worship together, and to exhort one another. This room was the cradle of the infant church of Christ and the beginning of all of our services. From this room, the waters of the everlasting gospel first began to flow, which have now spread so wildly throughout all of the world. 
So who was there, you may be asking? We know that in totality it was 120 people, but, but, but I don't know about you, but, but I like to know who was in the room. Uh, I know that Peter was there, that warm-hearted, impulsive, but unstable apostle who 40 days before denied his master three times and then repented with bitter tears and who had been graciously raised by our Lord and commanded to feed his sheep. James was there, who had been the favorite companion of Peter and John on three important occasions, and who was the first of the apostles to seal his fate with his blood and drink of the cup, which his master also drank. John was there, the other son of Zebedee, the beloved apostle John, the first on the Lake of Galilee when our Lord appeared to the disciples as they were fishing, who cried out with instinctive love, is it is you, it is the Lord. John, who at one time wished to call down fire uh, from heaven on a village of Samaritans, but lived to write three epistles brimming, uh, brimming over with. Andrew was there, the first of all the apostles whose name we know, who followed Jesus after hearing the word, behold, the Lamb of God, and then brought his brother Peter to Jesus, saying, we have found the Messiah. Philip of Bethsaida was there, the first apostle to whom Jesus said, follow me. The apostle told Nathaniel to go and see the promised Messiah. Thomas was there, doubting Thomas, who was once so despondent and weak in faith, but afterwards cried out with such grand confidence, my Lord and my God. Bartholomew was there who by general consent is the same as that very Nathaniel who at first said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yet this is he whom the Lord pronounced to be an Israelite without God. And who said, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Matthew, the publican was there who forsake his worldly calling at the bidding of our Lord and sought lasting treasure in heaven and who was afterwards privileged to hold the pen which wrote the first gospel. James, the son of Alphaeus, was there who had the honor of being the presiding apostle at the first council held in Jerusalem and of whom St. Paul tells the Galatians that together with Peter and John, James was a pillar of the church. Simon Zelotes was there, of whom we know little concerning except that he was also called a Canaanite and may possibly have lived in Cana of Galilee and seen the first miracle of the Lord, of our Lord work. His name Zelotes seems to indicate that he was once a member of the famous Zealot party, a fierce advocate of Jewish home rule and an enemy of Roman supremacy. He was now zealous only for the kingdom of Christ. Judas was there, the brother of James, called also Libius or Thaddeus, the writer of the last epistle in the New Testament, and the apostle who uh, asked the remarkable question, how is it that thou wilt know manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? The whole company of the 11 faithful apostles were assembled in that upper room. On this occasion, there was no absences and doubting Thomas was among the rest. The women were there, uh, of whom some had long followed, 
our Lord and minister to his necessities had been last at the cross and first at the tomb. Hallelujah. Mary, the mother of Jesus was there whom our Lord had committed to special to the special care of John and where he was, she was sure to be. And finally, beloved, the Lord's brethren, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, who had not believed that Jesus was the Messiah while he was on earth, but now believed in his true identity and authority. These that I just highlighted were amongst the 120 believers who had gathered in that upper room waiting for the promise to come. And the Bible tells us here in the first verse of chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. The King James Version adds that they were on one accord. Um, one place signifies position. They had positioned themselves to receive what God had for them. Uh, we must understand, beloved, that in order for us to receive his power, in order for him to bestow the power, his power upon his people, we must be in proper position. We must be where he tells us we are to be, uh, not because we know exactly what is going to happen when we're there, but we just need to be there because that's where he says we need to be. Uh, but not only were they in the right position, but they were on one accord, meaning they were of the same mind. They had the same mentality, the same focus, the same purpose, and they were praying and hoping for the same thing. In order for the church to be as powerful as we can be in times like these and in the times that are to come in the future, we must be on the same, uh, um, per flowing for the same purpose and having the same mind. We cannot be divided in our mentality and dividing in our purpose. We can't be selfish and self-focused trying to build up monuments unto ourselves, but we have to point everything and everyone to Jesus. And because they were in the right place, and because they had the right mind and the right passion, the Bible tells us in verse number two, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a Russian violent wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed amongst them. And they rested on each of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled that is diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout and God-fearing men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound was heard, a crowd gathered, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing those in the upper room speaking in his own language or dialect. They were completely astonished, saying, Look, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear in our own language or our native dialect? Among us, there are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and people of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia Minor, Phylgia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Gentiles that have been converted to Jerusalem. I mean, converted to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, we all hear them speaking in our native tongues about the mighty works of God. 
And they were beside themselves with amazement and were greatly perplexed, saying one to another, what could this mean? What could this mean, they asked. What is the meaning of this? What, what is happening here? Why and how did this transpire? God's power was in his people. God's power was upon his people. God's power had been infused into his people and now dwelled in his people, empowered his people, and gave his people everything they needed to go to the next level and to fulfill the purpose and to bring forth that which he had already desired to grow out of the the group, the collective 12, to grow out of the other disciples that followed, to grow out of the the, the committed ladies that were a part of the ministry, to grow out of um, the, the word he had preached and the lessons he had taught, to grow out of his dying on the cross, to grow out of his rising on the third day, to grow out of uh, his, his encouraging them for 40 days, showing them uh, through infallible truths that he truly was the resurrected Savior, to grow out of his ascension into heaven and to now grow out of the, the, the birthing of the church by the coming of the Holy Spirit. So why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we need his power for his people? Understand, beloved, that the Holy Spirit is God's seal of approval on us. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1 and verse 22. He says this, who have also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on his people, his claim on us as his very own. The Greek word translated earnest in these passages is arhabon which means a pledge that is part of the purchase money or property given in advance as a security of the rest. Uh, So it is a pledge or it is a down payment. It is a a monetary uh, endowment that that is bestowed on for the purchase of that thing, the property or what have you that is saying and guaranteeing that the rest is going to come. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit to believers is a down payment on our heavenly inheritance, which Christ has promised us and secured for us at the cross. It is because the Spirit has sealed us that we are assured of our salvation. See, it is the thing that seals us. It stamps us. It lets the world know and it lets us know that we belong to Christ Jesus. We belong to God because God has put his spirit in us and no one can break the seal of God. No one can take you from him. No one can remove your your position in Christ Jesus. You are anchored and positioned firmly in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the seal of that approval. It is the seal of that possession. The Holy Spirit also gives us gifts. Ephesians 4, 7 says this, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ Jesus. In the same chapter, chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, uh, verses 11 and 12 says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The word for spiritual gifts is charisma or charismata, based upon the Greek word charis, meaning grace. So the spiritual gifts that God gives to each of his children is part of the action of the grace of God to his children. See, God gives us these gifts not because we have uh, the, the, the we have earned them or not because we're special, but God gives us this these gifts out of his grace so that we may build up the people of God, build up and equip the saints that they may grow in their the, the will and the, the purpose of God so that the body of Christ may be edified. God has given us these gifts so that we can build up the saints. Not that we may be exalted, not that we may be glorified, but out of the blessing of the Holy Spirit, God gives us gifts to be able to lift his name up and to make him spread throughout all the earth. Not only is the Holy Spirit our seal, not only does it give, bring forth gifts, but it also comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us in times of affliction and hardship. Uh, I've been teaching on the fruit of the Spirit this, these past several weeks during our midweek Bible study. And, and self-control is one of those spirits, for one, of those one of the fruit of the Spirit. And self-control simply speaks to the ability to control self. Right. And so the Holy Spirit uh, comforts us or gives us uh, peace and joy and love and self-control and these things that that allow us to control ourselves, but also allow us to be able to withstand and to endure in the in the midst of adversity and in the midst of opposition. And so the Holy Spirit comforts us through his, through the fruit of the spirit uh, as we are afflicted, as we are enduring hardships. Paul wrote this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, Who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God? Paul says that in order for us to be able to be a comfort to someone else, God, through his spirit, comforts us. See, the Holy Spirit provides us the comfort, the strength, and the peace, the joy, the self-control, the, the everything we need in the midst of our uh, affliction so that we may be able to be a comfort unto other people. People that are not as strong as us spiritually or people that may not be as, as, as grounded in the word as us, that we can be that comfort unto them and, and quicken in them the spirit that they may be able to receive the comfort that they need to endure their individual situation. But also the Holy Spirit gives us power. Jesus said, he said it in verse number eight of chapter one of the book of Acts. He said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Uh, there are many forms of power, but none equal to that of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's power is described by the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis means power, force, or ability within the implication of a miracle or divine influence. See, we need the power of the Holy Spirit 
to do kingdom work. We need the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost to do the work that God has called the body of Christ to do and to perform in this earth. See, we need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of us to, that we may be able to be the powerful organism that God has infused in this earth to infect it and to spread throughout the entire world, beloved. See, we need the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can do the other things that Christ told them, them to do when they received the Holy Ghost. Uh, he said that they shall be his witness. See, we need the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that it will power and empower our witness. The ability to live a life pleasing to God and one that will draw others to Christ. See, witnessing is not just what we do with our lips, but witnessing is what we do with our lives. Uh, see, people see our witness through our life. And so the power of the Holy Ghost will give us the ability to live a life that pleases God and reflects Jesus Christ. See, people will follow what you do before they follow what you say. People will mimic what you do before they conform their lives to what you tell them. See, we need the power of the Holy Ghost that he, we can be transformed in our thinking that we will live a life that pleases him and that glorifies Christ Jesus. Uh, but we also need power in our prayer life that comes from the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. James tells us that the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Our prayers will only be filled with fervency and they will only be effective uh, if they are infused with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because Paul also tells us that sometimes we don't know what we are to pray for, but the Spirit of God will make intercession on our behalf with groanings and utterances that we may, we don't know, but they, but they are the will of God because the Spirit knows the will of God and knows what we stand in need of as it relates to prayer. But not only will the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost uh, give a, empower our witness, not only will it infuse power into our prayer, but it also will power our faith. See, it allows us to maintain our faith in all circumstances. See, it's easy for you to have faith when you are in a good circumstance. It's easy for you to have faith when things are going well. It's easy for you to have faith when everybody is on your side and when everybody is supporting you. Uh, but the, the things get a little tricky and things get a little more difficult uh, to exhibit and to stand on faith when you're dealing with opposition and when you're going through struggles and when you're going through uh, situations where you're alone and by yourself and your back is against the wall and, and, and the people that said they would stand by you uh, have fleed from you and now you feel like you're standing there all by yourself. Nobody else is locking arms and uniting with you for the good fight. Uh, but your, But the Holy Spirit will empower your faith that you will be able to stand in all circumstances. I, I, I wanted to emphasize the word all because it's not some, it's not the good, uh, but it's all circumstance, good circumstances, bad, difficult, unknown, perplexing, complex circumstances. You will be able to stand in them and have faith in the midst of them because of the Holy Spirit giving you the power you need. See, we need the dunamis power to be able to do the great works Jesus declared the church would do after they receive the Holy Spirit. 
And again, verse number four says this. It says they were filled, that is diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit. None of them were left out. Nobody did not receive. All 120 people there in the presence of this great miraculous outpour received the power they needed for what God was calling them to do. God's power to God's people is what he has sent for the church that will give us the, the power to speak in the midst of difficult times, that will give us the power to love in the midst of difficult times, that will give us the power to be patient in the midst of difficult times, that will give us the power to build up that which has been torn down, that will give us the power to, to, to reach out to those who have been rejected or have rejected us. I want you to know, beloved, that it's okay for the church to sing. It's okay for the church to preach. It's okay for the church to pray. These are all things we're supposed to be doing, but none of those things will produce anything unless we have the power of the Holy Ghost, unless we have the power that he has given to his people. If we don't tap into, if we don't operate in, and if we don't utilize the power of the Holy Ghost, that's just like being in a room that's 130 degrees. We're burning up. We're hot. We're frustrated. We're complaining about the heat, but we got an air condition in the window. We got a fan in the corner and we got central air and we can turn it on. But instead of us accessing the power and, 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 and tapping into the resources and what we have available unto us. We complain about the situation and the circumstance, but I stopped by to tell the church that we have the power to change everything that ails us. We have the power to change the communities, the environments, and the places God has placed us in because great is he that is within us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus and God has given his power to his people. Operate in that power because you have what it takes to do what God has called you to do. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Right now, I just want to pray for those that have tapped in. I want to pray for those that are connected. I want to pray for those who, who need power and those that are walking in the power that God may continue to empower you for the great works that he has placed upon your life. Dear God, we come now, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the power, the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for giving us authority, the azusia, Lord God, that we may walk in it and that we may exercise that power, Lord, that your power may move in us and flow through us, Lord God, it, that it may be attached and, and, and penetrate our words, that it may be attached to our prayer, that it may be attached to the, the works of our hands, Father God, that everywhere we tread and every place our feet go, Lord God, that your power will, will move in us and move through us, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you will allow the church's voice to be empowered through your spirit, God, that we will not be silent in these times, Lord God, but that your power will, will empower us and equip us with the right words, the words that, will, that can be used to, to encourage, the words that can be used to heal, and the words that can be used to speak wisdom, God. Life and death lies in the power of our tongue. So, Lord God, we thank you for your power. We access, we, we believe that it is moving in us and that you've given it to the church for the upbuilding 
of the church, for the equipping of the saints, and for changing this world in a dynamic way. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you. Now unto him who is able to keep thee from falling, present thee faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest ruling about with us now, henceforth, and forevermore. Let all of God's people say amen and amen. amen. Well, God bless you. Amen. Walk in power. Walk in authority. Know that God has placed something great on the inside of you, and nobody can deny it, and nobody can take it away. Power to God's people. God bless you.